The reading this morning is from your Pew Bible, page 874. It jumps around a little bit. It begins with Mark 7, verse 1. Now, when the Pharisees gathered together to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all of the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, observing the tradition of the elders. Um, And when they came from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they purify themselves. And there are many other traditions which they observe, the washing of cups and pots and vessels of bronze. And the Pharisees and and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with hands defiled? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold fast the tradition of men. Then it skips to 14. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a man which by going into him can defile him. But the things come out of a man are what defile him. And he said, "Far from within, for, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And they defile a man. And this is the word of the Lord. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Yuck. This is one of the biggest, this is one of the main things. When I, if I were to ask someone, why don't you go to church? Who doesn't go to church? They would say, among many other things, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That is, everyone's talking about the things they think and believe in, and they espouse all of these values and how pure and righteous and holy they might be, or how pure and righteous and holy you should be. And then their email turns up on Ashley Madison. Or they get caught in some scandal. Or they cheat on their taxes and steal money. Or they just do the exact opposite of everything they said was important to being a Christian. And I, quite frankly, I don't blame them for walking away. If I have to see one more clergy, it's so it's almost cliche. I think today they were I was reading on Facebook there's anticipating like 400 and something clergy leaving church leaving their churches because their email was on this Ashley Madison site which is a, apparently a place you go if you want to have an affair and cheat on your spouse. Disgusting. And the hypocrisy of 
leaders within churches and people just seems to always come out. And it makes the rest of us look bad, doesn't it? Makes everything look pretty bad. The problem is we're probably all guilty of it on some level or another. Uh, hypocrisy is when we, we espouse the set of values then we don't see it lived out in our everyday life. It seems like the louder people espouse them, the less likely they are to be holding them up in their own personal journey, in their own personal life. What the opposite of that is, is authenticity. Keeping it real. Being honest with yourself and honest with the world around you. And for some reason, the church, the church seems to be the last place people feel at ease being authentic. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but we seem to breed a certain amount of hypocrisy. We seem to... There's something about walking through this door into this holy place where we feel like, oh, I better look right. I better act like I am right, even if I'm not. And when in truth, sanctuary is a place of refuge. It's a place of safety and comfort. It's a place to be nurtured and cared after. It's a place of hiding away from all that pressure outside. Why, why have we allowed it to come into this sacred space? Hypocrisy. Or this environment for hypocrisy. Well, Jesus is dealing with a lot of the exact same thing going on 2,000 years ago. and he, He's confronting the Pharisees' uh, hypocrisy. The Pharisees here are citing a rule, but it's not even really a rule. There's not a, there's not a law in the, the Jewish texts about washing your hands before you eat. But this is what happened, is in Exodus, there is a law about the priests, before they go minister at the altar, before they go and deal with the you know, the animals and all, it gets kind of gross. I mean, they ought to wash their hands after the fact, not before. <laughs> but they, ha they have to go, they're required to go cl ritually cleanse their hands before they administer the sacrifice at the altar. And the Pharisees, uh, over time, everyone, it became a one-upsmanship game. And the Pharisees who who really wanted to set themselves apart as being holy and righteous and uh, you know on top of things, took seriously the text again in Exodus that says that, uh, that Israel will be a nation of priests. And so they said, well, we're all priests and therefore we should wash our hands. And not only did they wash their hands before the altar, but they wash their hands several times in a ritual fashion, several times a day before they ate, which, you know, 
turns out to be a good idea, right? <laughs> but back then we didn't know that germs were passed, but you know, that germs caused diseases and we didn't know that washing our hands was a good thing. This was just a ritual that was done as a ritual to cleanse away the, the unrighteousness and the impurity. And here they are confronting Jesus' disciples. And these guys are longshoremen, right? I mean, they're just, they're, they're rough and tumble and, uh, you know, uh, and, and they're wanting to know why these guys don't sit around washing their hands before they eat. One, one answer might be because we work for a living. <laughs> you know, we've got better things to do than to sit around and worry about, you know, whether we need to wash our hands after every 10 steps or whatever it is they're doing. But the other answer is, is one of accusing them of hypocrisy, of being concerned with all these exterior things and not looking inside of themselves. The one issue here, which Jesus doesn't actually talk about, is that there is a measure of righteousness that's, that's being arbitrarily put out there on everybody. This is completely arbitrary. I just told you it's not even in the law. <laughs> it was just a tradition that kind of grew up out of people trying to outrighteous each other. Oh, really? The priests wash their hands? Well, I'm going to wash my hands ten times a day. That's how righteous I am, right? I'm not going to touch anybody who's unclean. Quite frankly, I'm not going to touch anybody. Uh, those kinds of things. They t- and this tradition grows up. And all of a sudden, it becomes a mark of whether or not you are indeed righteous, pure, doing things you're supposed to do. We've had traditions like that. How many of you ladies grew up wearing a dress to church, never would have thought to show up in slacks, right? Yeah, right. How many of you guys grew up wearing ties, uh, going to church, wouldn't have imagined a day when the pastor stood up here in his, in his uh, uh, bowling shirt or whatever the heck this is. <laughs> right? And how many of you, if you would have showed up in slacks, ladies, would have, would have caused scandal? Would have, now, where in the world do we get this notion? And I understand, you know, people say, well, it's Sunday, you put on your best for, for God. Uh, I get that, and that's it's a nice sentiment. But where in the world did we get the notion that you're not quite Christian enough unless you dressed appropriately? It has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it. Has nothing to do with it. Amen. Uh, and there, we have a lot of traditions like that. I won't list them all. I'm sure you can think of them that have become litmus tests for whether or not you're a Christian. And i got to tell you, and some of them get very, you know, some of the things are silly like what we wear, but some of them are quite serious. I get hate mail all the time. People telling me I'm an abomination because our church accepts into full membership people from the LGBT community. Uh, again, a litmus test that says, oh, wait a minute, you're not Christian. Because you don't fit our values. <laughs> These other values. Uh, and so someone using a yardstick 
that we don't use for ourselves. And that seems to be what's going on here with the Pharisees. And Jesus doesn't really address that. He goes right to the heart of the matter. Is Not only don't I care about your ritual cleansing, doesn't mean anything to me, but not only that, but you're, what you're doing doesn't really address the issue of righteousness or purity. And you're a hypocrite when you look at my boys <laughs> who left their families and chose to follow me and who live among drunkards and prostitutes and tax collectors to bring the love of God to the world and, you, and you're upset about their hands being dirty. And look at yourself. This is really, this is really what it comes down to. The biggest problem... The biggest problem we have in regards to the church being perceived as the purveyors of hypocrisy is that we tend to look out there and try to find the problems. And it's pretty easy to look out there and find the sins all around us and where the unrighteousness is. The funny thing is, it's never unrighteousness that points back to us. <laughs> it's always what someone else is doing. Oh, look at them. Uh, they really shouldn't do that. I'm glad I don't do that. I'm righteous. They're not. Oh, look at them. If they were really Christian, they wouldn't do that. Thank God I don't do that. At least, thank God I haven't got caught doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right the problem is we need to look inside that's what jesus is saying in this text it's not what a person eats that makes them unclean it's not what a person puts in his body that makes a person unclean it's what comes out that defiles a person what's inside it's what's in the heart that makes someone unclean and defiles them and he lists all of these things that that begin in our attitudes all kinds of debauchery was listed there the converse is true as well all the good stuff starts in the heart as well love acceptance uh, compassion joy all of these things they come from the heart as well. And i got to tell you, all the exterior joy cannot even come close to honest, to goodness, authentic joy. Amen? Have you ever tried to be joyful when you're not? <laughs> if you're like me, you can't pull it off very well. I mean, it's, it, you, people can tell you're faking it right we we know you're not joyful <laughs> try as you may and you know you can be polite and all that but but if your joy is not genuine it's not going to it's not going to have the same effect as genuine joy that's bubbling over and comes out of your heart i'm reminded of a a parable that jesus tells in luke about the pharisee and the tax collector the Pharisee and the tax collector go up to Jerusalem and they are at the temple. 
And the Pharisee begins to pray, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. I thank you, God, that I, I, that I am not like the, the thieves and the robbers and the prostitutes. I thank you, God, that I am not like this tax collector. And he points at this guy. Thank you that I'm not like him. For I pray every day and I tithe and I do everything I'm supposed to do. Thank you, God. You know, this is, this is a prayer. Thank you that I'm so great. <laughs> the tax collector is way over. He doesn't even want to come in. He's way over in the, in the corner, in the dark, kneeling way down and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. Help me. Lift me up. Change. Change me, God. Truly, it is the tax collector who has received redemption. Truly, it is the tax collector who has received righteousness. The difference is the tax collector looked inside. And it's not just acknowledging our own shortcomings. Actually, I think that's the easy part. It's easy to get up and say, all right, I'm going to listen to what Pastor Curtis said and I want to look at myself easy for us to list out all the things we do wrong at least it, it is for me <laughs> i do this i do this oh pretty soon it gets pretty depressing wait a minute i'm up to toes now but it's not just that it's also examining what you do right you know, look for the righteousness that's already going on inside as well as and this is, this is the way I like to look at it, as well as allowing God's Holy Spirit to show you where you can go. To show you what is holding you back. What is keeping you from experiencing the new life, the new creation, the, 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 the risen life that Jesus talks to us about. But it all starts by turning that gaze into our own hearts. And I promise you, man, if we can nail this thing, <laughs> if we can learn to be authentic, and I've got to tell you, I think our the First Baptist Church is well on its way. If we can nail what it means to be authentic, our authentic selves, even in this beautiful sanctuary, or maybe especially in this beautiful sanctuary, we can learn to be honest with ourselves about who we are and where we're at and where we're going and how hard we're trying to get there. If we can learn to look at people and not see where they are, but maybe see where they've been or, or just see that they are on a journey too and look at their hearts, we will nail this hypocrisy thing. Church will be redeemed. Amen? Let us pray.
loving and gracious God, we, we want so badly. Maybe our, maybe our bent toward hypocrisy is out of our own desire to be that which we pretend to be. In other words, we wish we were righteous. We wish we were without blemish or sin. Help us adjust our thinking. And give us the courage and the strength to look inside of ourselves to know that it is what is inside that matters. Help us not to get distracted by the exterior things. To seek You out. To offer ourselves to You. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.